Awesome. Thanks, Kristen. Um, if this is one of your first times at church, you haven't met me before, my name is Luke. I'm part of the leadership team here. And um, I get quite nervous speaking, so I just got some water so that I don't slur my words. And normally when I do this, I add some hot water because I'm a singer. And so now I've just got tepid water for no reason. So there's a little fact at the beginning of the evening. Um, oh, I have to say, if you're a pregnant lady or have a weak heart, there's going to be a bit of a loud noise now. So, um... so we've just finished our nine-month series tonight. We've got through the book of John. Come on, come on. So this is the culmination of our nine-month series, covered in the dust tonight, and we're just on these last few verses. That was fun. Um, does anyone have any highlights in particular? Any talks that they can remember? That is a good question. I'll give you 20 seconds while your hearts slow back down to normal and you can think. Anyone? I remember last time I asked you a question, none of you gave me an answer, so hopefully... Go on, John. I'm not just saying this because it was only last week, but Dan, last week was deep, and so that's probably one of my highlights. Yeah, talking about failure. Talking about failure. My favourite one is the one about doubt. I think that was really spoke to me. Chris had a really nice short one on the sheep pen. Being a good chef. No, just because it was short, but it, no, it was good as well, honestly. Honestly. We like to encourage Chris when he does shorter sermons of what is possible. But anyway, so tonight we're in John 21, and there's just one particular verse I'm going to kind of hone in on, which is um, the verse that says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And in the last few weeks in particular, we've kind of been having this narrative between Jesus and Peter. So um, when I was preaching last month on the Garden of Gethsemane and um, the interaction between Jesus and Peter there, and Peter striking off the ear, Peter denying Jesus later, and then Jesus reinstating Peter as um, the rock of the church. So this kind of feeds into that whole narrative we've been having throughout the last month. Um, And Jesus' response here, again, is just classic Jesus and Peter. So, you know, one of the reasons we find it really easy to relate to Peter a lot of the time is because I'd say a lot of us think, oh, yeah, I struggle like Peter struggles. One moment I'm like, Jesus, I'm going to die for you. If someone was to come here now and say, are you a Christian? If you say, yes, I'll kill you, I would still say yes because you are just everything in my life. And then the next day you walk past someone and Jesus says, tell them about me or I want you to give them this word. And you're like, I know you'll forgive me in the long run, so actually I'm probably just going to not do that today. And, you know, this is kind of what we see with Peter sometimes. He's like, even if everyone else fails you and runs away, I will, I will be there. And then when it actually gets to it and that's tested and they say, you look like one of those guys from Galilee. Aren't you Jesus' friend? He goes, no, not me, not me. 
I actually do quite like my life, I've decided. And so this is kind of classic Peter doubting and worrying that Jesus has reinstated him. He says, Peter, look after my sheep, look after the flock, build the church. And then he, in the next moment, looks at the one whom Jesus loves, who I think most of us would say is John. And he goes, but what about him? Like people say that he's going to live forever. And, and, you know, you love him a bit more than, than you love the rest of us. And Jesus' response is just, you must follow me. Don't worry about him. You must follow me. And that is one of the first things that I just want us to think about. Can we get that first slide up? Comparison is the thief of joy. So many times we've been in church and we've heard this quote. Like If you've been in church for longer than two years, you've probably heard this quote before. But I think it's something that's so great just to remind ourselves of. So let's unpack it a little bit. Um, Romans 12, verses 4 to 8. I'm just going to read that quickly. So don't feel you have to get up in your Bible. But if you want to follow along, then feel free. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And the disciples had different roles. And Jesus didn't call all of them because they were all the same and would all fulfill the same purpose. And that's the same for us at All Hallows, that we are one, one body and we have many parts. And so on a, you know, on a normal Sunday, we'll have people helping out with a hospitality team at the back, welcoming people, leading the worship, leading the service, preaching. And, and you know, if you come to the morning service, there are many other roles that you can get involved in as well. There are things that go on throughout the week, small group leaders, growth, stuff like that. And God has given us all these different things, and he's given each one of us different skills and and different gifts so that we can serve in different roles. And what the devil likes to do is he likes to get in in amongst us and say, why why aren't you as, as, as blessed as Ben is, you know? Oh, Ben's such a good worship leader. Andy, why can't you sing like Ben? Luke, why can't you sing like Ben? Harriet, why can't you sing like Ben? And we're all like, oh... Jesus, like, what about Ben? Like, what? Oh, I wish I was more like Ben. And that's what I think half of my life. But actually, what these two Bible passages tell us is that Jesus has called us for a purpose. He hasn't called us to be like Ben. Our gifts aren't Ben's gifts. Our skills aren't Ben's skills. And all he has called us to do is follow him. You must follow me. That is the words that it says in the Bible. And we need to remember that because we have different skills and we have different gifts. We can't all be eyes because then we're going to go nowhere. We can't all be ears because then we're not going to see anything. You know, all of these roles aren't more important than the other. For the body to function healthily and properly, every single part of that body needs to be working. The preacher is not more important than the hospitality team. The worship leader, although Ben likes to think it, is not more important than the person on song words. Joy, we love you just as much as we love Ben. You know, we need all of you to be the church that can fully function and can fully minister to the people outside of this door on a Sunday. Because it's not just about in here. 
It's not just about the people who lead this, this team on a Sunday that have to do all that. God wants each and every one of us to go out of that door and to minister to other people that don't know him yet. But we do miss you when you're not at church because you have different roles, you have different skills. Guys, when some of you aren't at church, we notice it. You have been given a unique calling. And this church isn't the same without you. So don't ever feel when you come to church on a Sunday like it, it can happen without you. Because we value every single one of you, whatever you do. God is reminding us to keep our eyes fixed on him. And to follow him into what he is leading us into. Not someone else. And maybe you're fairly new, maybe you've been here a few months and you're still not sure what your role is. I would encourage you tonight just to take some time to pray about that while we have worship later. Throughout the week, just to take some time and pray and say, God, what is the role you are calling me into in my life and at my church? What can I do that you'd be glorified? I really want to encourage you about that. And I know what some of you are thinking because I've, I've thought it before. You're thinking... Maybe I, I step up for a role and, and I'm not any good at it. Because Luke, you're saying that we all have different roles and we all have different callings. But some of us do the same job and I feel like I'm not as skilled as them. Like I, I don't welcome as well as Emily Speed welcomes. So I can never do it that well. I, I get a bit awkward. I, I say a couple of sentences and then I go to the toilet. Even though I went to the toilet 30 seconds ago when I introduced the other person to someone. But the thing is, that is not what Jesus is saying to Peter. He's not saying, be more like John. He's saying, be who I have called you to. And that truth is something which is so against what the world teaches us, that it takes us some time to understand that sometimes. Because the world says, you have to be the best person you can be, and you have to do all of these things because no one else is looking out for you. No one else is going to help you. But as a church, that is completely countercultural what we do. We want everyone to be a part of it so that God would be glorified, so that one person doesn't feel the whole weight of it. You know, Chris is our vicar. He's been here nearly seven years. Have you been here? Yeah? Seven years Chris and Becky have been here. And, and I'm sure they'll say, if no one else was here, that would be a bit, bit of a bummer for you, wouldn't it? Probably wouldn't be able to do as much. Would, would be easier. Yeah, okay. Never use the vicar for an example again. Note that for my next talk. Um, But regardless of what Chris is saying, sometimes vicars lie. And Chris and Becky wouldn't be able to do nearly as much without the rest of the church. And we wouldn't be able to throw half the events that we do without you guys. In fact, we wouldn't be able to throw any of the events we do without you guys. And so you are all so key. And we've been looking through this passage. and, And we've been looking through all of John. And many times we've looked at the I am sayings, you know, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was I am. And Jesus has been saying, I am. I exist. This is who I am. And in this, in this passage, he says to Peter, you are, basically. He says, you are. I am. I exist. I have been. But to you now, you are. And in this moment, in these last few verses we've been reading... Last week, the week before, and this week, Jesus is giving Peter that authority. He's saying, I am, I existed, and and I have all authority on heaven and on earth. He forgives sins, he heals, he does all of these things. And then he looks at Peter and he says, you are, you must follow me. The boy who was a fisherman and took out the fish, he, he called him, he said, come and be fishers of men. 
And that is what that following him is doing. And he's reminding Peter that you too are. You have my authority and I'm sending you out into the world. You know, you are not John. You are not Peter. You are not Chris or Becky, Kristin, Ben. But you are Emma. You are Simon. You are Steve. You are Lizzie. You are Hannah. You are John. You know, I could list all of you in this room. You are who God has called you to be. You are not the person next to you. God has a specific calling for you that he doesn't have for other people. There's a quote that, again, I'm sure many of us have heard before, and it's nothing revolutionary, but it's good for us to remember. John MacArthur says, you are the only Bible that some unbelievers will read. When we come to church on a Sunday, it's really easy to sit down next to people and think, wow, I just want my faith to be more like theirs. I I just wish I was as good a Christian as them. But God isn't calling us to be the Christian next to us because he is calling us to be Christians to the people out there who aren't Christians already. And so we can come to church and get really discouraged, but actually this isn't the place where our week ends. This should be the place that our week begins. We shouldn't come to church at the end of the week and feel bad. We should come to work, uh, come to church, get filled with the Holy Spirit and then go to work at those outside around us. Because Otherwise, we're going to miss our Pentecost calling. If, if Peter had kept his eyes fixed on John and thought, I can't do any of these things that John does. John is just so much more of a better disciple than me, so much more of a better follower of Christ than me. What would have happened on the day of Pentecost when Jesus called Peter forward to speak to those thousands of people and all of the disciples were speaking in tongues? You know, we just don't know. If Peter had just said, oh, John, you do it, you do it. What would, who knows what would have happened to the beginning of the early church. Sure, Jesus may have filled John and he may have done something incredible. But that's not the point. Peter was called for that time and he was filled with the Holy Spirit for that time. And there are people you know that we don't know. And Jesus is calling you to be the Christian in their lives. If if we fixate on others, we endanger the big moments that God has for us. And I often disempower myself from certain roles because I know that there there are people that are better than me. Like in terms of preaching, I hate preaching. I hate public speaking because my voice doesn't work with my brain and then it just goes faster and I can't think and it all goes wrong. And I know that, you know, Chris and Dan are just better preachers than I am. And I'm not looking for sympathy and all your R's, so you don't have to do them. Don't worry, I know you were going (laughs) to. But as I was preparing this message, Jesus just revealed to me, you know, that different people have different messages. And that is true of your friends outside of here, that Jesus has given you the message for them. Because we can't relate to all of the people you know, but you can. All those people that you have relationship with, Jesus has put you in their lives to speak to them. The walk of faith is so relational. You know, we run Alpha, and some of the things we've seen on Alpha, just of people starting to take those steps because someone has just faithfully been been obedient to God and not pushed anything, not shoved Christianity down their throat, but has just been a friend who's been able to relate to someone over years and just been obedient to God when God has said, why don't you talk about me? 
Why don't you show them the gospel? You know, we don't even always need to talk. But God has put us in those places. I believe we are all called to evangelize. You know, it says it in the Great Commission, go out into the, na- into the nations making disciples and baptizing in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're all called to evangelize. Just some are more natural way than others. Some have practiced that in more and actually taken those risks more. And so they feel more comfortable doing it. And they've crafted that gifting and they've honed into that skill. I believe that we're all called to heal. Just some of us have been gifted more than others and, and some of us find it more natural. And some of us don't have that fear that other people have and we believe that Jesus is all he says he is. And so we find it a bit easier. I believe we're all called to pray. But some of us find that more easy than others. And some of us have spent hours and hours just waiting for God to speak to us. All of these things... When you look at Christians next to you, aren't just things that have come easily, if you want any of those. But it's by fixating their eyes on Jesus that those things have happened. You know, if you want to get better at healing, fixate your eyes on Jesus. And he will help you get better at healing. He will show you those opportunities. And he, if you truly look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe that you are a healer. If we truly look at Jesus, I don't believe that there can be doubt for us. Because... <laughs> All the things we've read in the Bible, if we believe them to be true, point to a God who is on the move today and active in our lives and in the lives of of those around us. And we don't need to worry. There's a Martin Luther King uh, quote that will come up on the slide now. Um, And it says, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't run, uh, if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. And guys, this is the same in our faith. And this is you know, what this whole series has been about. Being covered in the dust of Jesus. Just following him. You know, Whatever speed you are going to follow Jesus. Just, just keep moving forward. Because as soon as we take our eyes off Jesus. And we just start to stand still. You know, we, oh, hang on. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, what? And then we, we think we have to run to catch up with him. But we can't run. Because we haven't been in that place just... Um, just cultivating that relationship with Jesus. And you know, those doubts and those failures start to creep up on us again. And we're like, oh, Jesus, I can't walk. I can't take that step out to get a bit closer to you because what happens if I take that step and you're still not there and, you, and you've left me? And so I think this quote from Martin Luther King is so, so incredible because it is all about moving forward. You know, that is what living out our faith means. Be constantly moving forward. It doesn't matter how slowly you are going. Guys, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's another quote, Alistair Begg. And it says, There is no one who is insignificant in the purpose of God. Every single one of you have a purpose in advancing the kingdom of God and have a purpose in your life that Jesus has given you. And I think for some of us, you know, we've listened to this whole series and we're like, but what next? What does this actually mean in my life? Because you know what, Chris, you spoke on doubt a few weeks ago and actually you're right. There are still a load of doubts in my mind about who Jesus is and if he even exists and what that means for my life. But some of you need to understand that that God has a purpose for your life. When Jesus died upon that cross... It meant we could enter a relationship eternally with him. We no longer have to worry about being unworthy. 
Because Jesus died that we may come into relationship with, with God. And the Father looks at you and he sees that you are perfect because you've been washed in the blood of Jesus' death. So for some of us, it's time to stop standing still. And it is time to start following Jesus again and start being obedient to what he is calling us into at this moment in time. And for some of us, that does look like a crawl. But you know what, guys? It's, it is time to start moving forward where we have stopped. We've been talking about it a lot in, in small group at the moment on Thursday night. And Abby really challenged us that we were talking about, oh, what are we going to do then? What are we going to do from this series that actually will start doing this thing? And we all kind of gave our ideas. Oh, we're going to meet up with our friends who are non-Christians. We're going to go and prayer walk the estate. I can't really remember. We're going to like try and pray healing for someone once a week. And we got to the end of that, and we're like, great. But now we actually have to do that. Because I think I, for one, in my life, can, can easily talk the talk and say, you know what, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then Monday comes, and I'm like, oh, gosh, this is hard. And I think for some of us, what will be a really great thing going forward, if you're in a small group especially, is hold each other accountable. Who is the person in your life who's going to say, what did you do this week? that meant that you were walking forward in your relationship with Jesus, that meant you were walking forward in your discipleship. Because otherwise we're just going to stand still and we're going to get bogged down. You know, as soon as you see one thing happen, that affirms your faith and you start to desire that a bit more. And so guys, just let's all start moving forward. I believe that this is the same for us as a church as well as individuals. As All Hallows, we're not trying to be like any other church. You know, we have the vision that God has set us to be an explosion of joy by making Jesus known in our local community to see lives transformed. And that looks different to us than it looks like to any other church. Because no other church has this group of people, has this leader. And so it will look different from church to church. And so... Let's keep our eyes on Jesus as opposed to what is going on around us in other churches. You know, it's amazing the network we are in and some of the churches around us are doing incredible things. And God has given us a very unique vision and a very unique calling to this area. You know, no other church is going to be doing what we're doing in this area. And so let's keep our eyes fixed on him and ask God, what is it that you want to do with this church? We are always open as a staff team to, to ideas that you guys have that mean we are going out more into the community. And, and, you know, so don't be afraid of coming to talk to myself, to Chris, to Kristen, to Sarah. I think that none of the rest of the staff team are here. Steve, there you go, mate. Um, don't be afraid to talk to us because we would love to hear what you want to do. We are passionate about more and more people in that area coming to know who Jesus is. You know, we truly believe that God has put us in this location, that lives may be transformed, that chains would be broken, that hearts would be healed. And so if you have an idea, however crazy it may seem, come share it with us. You know, the worst that will happen is we don't do it, but that's fine. We need to learn as a church to take more risk because if we don't take risk, we're never going to see anything happen. The things that Jesus did and the things that the disciples saw didn't just come from a place of safety. They came from Jesus stepping out and taking risks. It came from the disciples stepping out and taking risks and saying, you know what, God, I desire more for you to be known and for you to be glorified more 
than for me to look good and for me, me not to look silly. I think it's time for some of us, not some of us, for all of us to look a bit silly. We need to be taking those risks and sometimes failing. We are good friends with a group called um, London School of Supernatural. And one of their things is that every year, if you're on their course, you have to fail three times at either, you know, going to talk to someone about a word or, or a healing or whatever. Because if you don't, then you haven't taken enough risks. And I love that as an idea. And again, that could be something that in your small group, you know, maybe you're going to say, in the next two months, we all have to fail at something. We all have to fail at going up to someone and, and trying to evangelize or going up to someone and asking if we can pray healing for them. I just want to quickly end on this, on the final verse that says, I don't know, if, I don't know did I put it down or not? Yeah, that's the one. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That is nuts. That is nuts how much Jesus did. I, I mean, that's probably a bit of over-exaggeration, I imagine. Because Ben Whittle's book collection alone is staggering. So that means Jesus did a lot of stuff. But we do believe that. We believe that what was written in the gospel was only the beginning of what has happened. You know, Jesus is the God of immeasurably more. We did a whole series on that. Go listen to the podcast once I've got it back online because I managed to delete it all. But, but Jesus is the God of immeasurably more. He's the God that turns fish and a couple of loaves into enough to feed thousands of people. He's the God that, that turns the tears of those who are mourning for their dead relatives into laughter and into joy. And he's the God who left death where it belonged in the grave. It's time to start trusting Jesus. We were praying before the service the other week and Steve brought a word that either the cross is truly sufficient in our lives or it counts for nothing. We spent nine months learning what it looks like to be disciples. And now we are commissioned to go out and live lives filled with the Spirit. Guys, it really is that easy. I would love to send us out to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us again. So please stand. We're not going to have a, a quiet response time tonight. It's, it's time to be bold. It's time to believe that Jesus is all he says he is and to get hyped up and to start to believe that Jesus has more for us as a church. Before the service tonight, we were praying and we just really had this sense that the church can so often be viewed as that place that we come to at the end of the week and we get filled up just so we can make it through to the next week and we can make it through to the next Sunday. But actually, church is more like a tent that explorers carry and pitch up on a mountain. You go in and you get that little bit of rest and then you go back out and you conquer and you conquer that mountain and you climb to the top. Church isn't the place where we just hide away from the rest of the world. But it's the place that we come to get filled up, that we may then go to the rest of the world. That we may be that light in the darkness. So I'm just going to pray and then we're going to worship the one who is immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Holy Spirit, would you fill this church? God, where our doubts currently outweigh what we believe to be true about you, would you reveal yourself once more to us? 
would we be a church that is known for taking risks? God, would we be a church that is known for failing because it shows that we're stepping out? Would we be a church that is known for, for relentlessly loving the community around us? God, I pray for endless patience, for endless love for every single one of us here, God. That when we go to work tomorrow, or we're just living our lives, God, that when we have opportunities to show other people the gospel, God, will we not back down? God, will we be obedient to you? And God, I pray for the grace for ourselves, that even when we muck up, and even when we chicken out sometimes, God, will we start to crawl again and follow after you? God, will we be a people that are known for stepping out in faith and truly believing in who you are? God, where you say you must follow me, would we be known as the church that follow you, whatever that looks like? Amen.